Welcome one and all to episode 105 of the original Draft Breakdown Podcast. I'm your host, Seth Cox. With me tonight, my co-host, Justin Higdon. And Justin, not just pro days, not just draft rankings, but we now have actual draft movement. Yeah, it's it was a crazy uh, day last week where we had a pro day going on, and then in the middle of this pro day, I think it was Zach Wilson's pro day, we had two humongous uh, trades that are going to have big ramifications throughout the, that, you know, it's going to cause waves throughout the entire first round of the draft, and it comes to us early. We're going to talk about those trades. We will talk about the Zach Wilson pro day. We're going to talk about the cornerbacks. There's There seems to be... Uh, a log jam at the top, and we'll talk about maybe who's the cornerback one in this class, and then we'll run through some of the pro days that we're going to be interested in seeing this week coming up. Yeah, and so kick off the show. As always, we appreciate you guys uh, listening. Um, if you are interested for our extra podcast uh, once a week, we drop an extra podcast for $2 a month. That's a month, not a show. Not a week, not anything like that, but $2 a month, uh, you can get that extra one. Uh, $4 a month for our Patreon, uh, you actually get our written content as well, so our written draft content. Uh, Justin's got a couple things up already. I'm getting ready to get into it, uh, drop in my rankings and uh, pro comps that we like to do um, this time of year. So. That's, you know, if you're interested in that, check out Justin or my Twitter, and we'll have a link to the Patreon page uh, to get you there. This week, the draft got shook up, and I think it tells us two things. One, the first thing was that we knew from our friend Kyle Posey, who covers the San Francisco 49ers uh, for SB Nation, Niner Nation, we knew that the 49ers have been trying to do something for about a month at this point. Um, Kyle has told us multiple times that they've gone back and forth with the Houston Texans. Obviously, as the Deshaun Watson situation is unfolding in front of us, that's basically off the table, I would assume, for all NFL teams at this point, but that's you know for another show to discuss. That did, however, kind of hyper-focus them on moving up in the draft. Um, they've been calling to the top six teams to figure out if there was a way that they can move up. I don't think that they called Jacksonville. They might have just called, you know, to see if it was even possible at all. But obviously... And, and Urban Meyer hung up, probably. Yeah. Promptly. <laughs> he, yeah, he probably didn't even take the call. He was like, no, right. I'm good. Um I mean, I guess maybe if, if they were going to offer uh, uh, Nick Bosa as well, right? Like, <laughs> give me Nick Bosa and every first-round pick for the next five years. But, but yeah, I mean, for the most part, that was a no. It sounds – I mean, the reports are that they weren't in contact with the New York Jets, which just makes it seem like the New York Jets are taking a quarterback at two because there's no reason to not – listen to trade opportunities right if the if i'd be surprised if the jets haven't already decided who they're taking it at number two 
and even pro- probably making that known, at least hint, strongly hinting at that when they talked to the Niners and said, no, thanks, but no thanks. We're staying pat at two. Um, everyone knows who's going one, Trevor Lawrence. Urban Meyer has pretty much uh, completely confirmed that. I mean, he, he stops short of just turning the card in, but it's pretty much known a known fact right now. And then I think everybody thinks that uh, the Jets are, are honed in on Zach Wilson at this point. Even if they didn't fess up and tell the Niners exactly who they were going to take it to, you have to imagine that the Niners have two quarterbacks that they'd be completely comfortable with, and that's what puts them at three. So e- either the Jets told them flat out, hey, we're taking Wilson, and the Niners say, all right, the draft starts at three, we've got to get up to three, or... Niners are just like, hey, we're cool if it's Wilson, if it's Fields, or if it's, well, we'll get into it. Right, and so now the Niners make the massive, massive trade-up to get the third overall pick from the Miami Dolphins, who then promptly turn around and trade back from, so just to recap in case you, I mean, if you've, Listen to this podcast. I'm assuming you've already know what's going on, but we can recap it real quick. Um, the 49ers traded the 12th overall pick and basically the rest of their first round draft for the next three seasons. Um, so they're sending number three or number 12, a 2021 third. Um, and first round picks in 2022 and 2023. The so that's that goes to the Dolphins. The Dolphins then promptly moved back up to number six with the Philadelphia Eagles. And what were they doing? What were they thinking? They they obviously were um comfortable with making the trade down to get future um, picks but and and I I mean obviously they have to have an idea of what they're doing and we'll talk about it in a second but it it was an odd back and forth overall to me because, you still, I mean, at six, I get that at this point you're assuming three quarterbacks go one, but you don't necessarily know what's going to happen at four and five unless you're just completely comfortable with three three different prospects basically graded the same. Yeah, I think the philosophy is, is interesting because um, they're banking on whoever they have in mind still being there at six, and it's unusual that we see a team that's picking six and is at the mercy of the first five teams uh, make a move like that, you know, it's it, to put yourself in that position. But like we were saying, there's three picks that are going to be quarterbacks in the top three. We're, we'll talk more about which quarterback we think it might be. But then at four and five, who are those teams going to pick Atlanta? Are they going to take another quarterback? There's a, diff- a bunch of different ways they can go. And we've talked about that before. And then at five, you got Cincinnati. You know they're not going to take a quarterback. So are they going to take Penesul? Are they going to take Jamar Chase? Or are they going to take another receiver? 
there's no I, I don't see that there's a possible way that uh, Miami knows, but they're willing to bank on whoever they want being there, and they've got it. It's got to be a couple of different names that they're willing to take there. But let's get into the quarterbacks because who are the quarterbacks or the quarterback that the Niners are targeting at 103? My immediate gut reaction, because from what we've been told, the Niners have always been high on Zach Wilson, Justin Fields. Zach Wilson, again, we presume, is going to go number two to the Jets. So that would leave Fields as the third pick, and that's who I thought it was going to be. That was my initial gut reaction. But almost immediately... Many people in draft Twitter, football Twitter, were starting to bring up the name of Trey Lance and that Trey Lance was actually the perfect Kyle Shanahan quarterback. And to be frank, almost every quarterback that gets talked about is talked about as if he'd be the perfect Kyle Shanahan quarterback, right? So this was Lance getting his hype. And then it wasn't too long after that that a third name entered the mix. And we heard that they were actually trading up. And I don't know if it was Chris Sims was the first guy that put these, um, that that put this puzzle together, or if it was somebody else. And Sims also piggybacked off of it. But the third name that came up was that they were actually trading up for Mac Jones. And now we've got a, an Alabama pro day, a second Alabama pro day coming up on March 30th, which will be the same day this show comes out. And we, now we know Kyle Shanahan and John Lynch are going to be in attendance of the Mac Jones Pro Day, while the Justin Fields Pro Day that's going on at the same time, they're going to send a couple of other coaches. But there's a twist. That sounds bad, right? That sounds like, oh, they, they want to get a closer look at Mac Jones. Uh, that's their guy. But as we talked about before, Kyle Shanahan already has a connection with Justin Fields through where Fields is training, the quarterback collective. So all that is to say that I believe the pick is still Fields, and I think this Mac Jones business is a bit of a smokescreen. Yeah, and it's interesting because, as you said, uh, when it happened, the responses were, I would say, 50-50-ish split. Um, Lance Airline tweeted out, congrats on the addition of Trey Lance with this trade, San Francisco. Um, you know, and then other people had said, oh, they're going to get Justin Fields. Uh, We're going to circle back to that Zerline take too, by the way. And then Zerline did comment, made the comment um, that Daniel Jeremiah on whatever show he was on, I'm assuming it was a, it was a TV hit. Um, Yeah, he, he was covering, he was covering Zach Wilson's pro day as all this was coming out. And so he was on the NFL Network Live. And yeah, and, that's when... and so he was the one that said that Mac Jones shouldn't be ruled out as a potential fit for San Francisco at number three. In, I mean, insane initial thought. So, but I mean, they're just talking. They're not, they're not, they're, they're speculating. Um, they're keeping interest, you know, because I think this is, for the first time in a while, this, I mean, you're, you're looking at this and going, we know who the first three picks are on the other side of things. I mean, I go back to the Cardinals draft of 2019. There was, 
there was still intrigue. It, it seemed almost a slam dunk that Kyler Murray was going number one, but there was still talk of, of Quinn and Williams at number one. Um, I think there was no question on who the first three picks were going to be. If, if the Cardinals took Murray, uh, because then it was obvious it was going to go Nick Bosa and Quinton Williams in some order for those three. However, you know, that there was still some intrigue that this is getting dangerously close for the NFL to being <laughs> a non, you know, non entertainment based situation in the first three picks. And that's the last thing they want. Right. Yeah. But the best thing for the NFL is that the audience for the NFL draft is much uh, is, is going to tune in for rounds two and three. So there's plenty of intrigue in the NFL draft that goes well beyond the third overall pick. So, and we can, we have, I mean, a month now to debate who the, this number three pick is going to be. And you never know. The Jets also have that connection with the quarterback collective. They could throw a major curveball and take fields. And then we'd have Zach Wilson going three, but it's, we seem to know who the first two picks are going to be. We can debate who the third pick is going to be, but I wanted to go back to our, our friend Kyle Posey because he, I have been pestering him since this. I said, Kyle, who's the pick? Who's the pick? And he tweeted this earlier today, maybe to appease me and probably a bunch of other people who have been bugging him about this. And he said, analysis, the 49ers treated Quinn and Williams to IHOP before the 19 draft. Mac Jones has big Applebee's with the bros energy. That's not a guy you trade up for. Therefore, he won't be the pick. So in Kyle's estimation, much like Williams was a smokescreen, they ultimately picked Nick Bosa. He believes that Mac Jones, this attention being paid to Mac Jones is a smokescreen. They'll ultimately go with, uh, I believe, uh, Fields or maybe Lance. Um, he's hinted at Fields again in the past. So I think I'm not buying the Mac Jones hype. I believe Trey Lance when I see it. I think it's going to be Fields, and I think they already have a great familiarity with Fields, and that's why they're just doing due diligence and going to Mac Jones' pro day tomorrow. Yeah, and and I think with – and this is, you know, this is to kind of just go through all the scenarios because to go back a little bit, we just discussed Deshaun Watson. He's – Literally, we've never heard a single negative thing about him going back to his four years at Clemson. So when we are talking about prospects in general, um, there's definitely still things that can come to light. So as, as Justin said, the 49ers and, and Shanahan especially know Justin Fields. They know him. Um, but if something were to come out that was from out of the blue, then, you know, that they better know Zach Wilson. They better know Trey Lance. They better know Mac Jones. And so this isn't just a team that's, that's going through the motions, but they're, they're going up with the idea of like, this is, we'll have one of these guys, the opportunity to draft one of these guys. We want to make sure we make the correct decision on it. Um, 
And so that's, that's kind of how I look at all these decisions because at the end of the day, you are, you're, especially in this decision, you're basically putting your job on the line for, you know, and Shanahan and, and Lynch, they've been well thought of and they've done a nice job. But if you look at the results, they've only got one winning season under their belt. Now they've dealt with a ton of injuries, a ton, and they've dealt with issues. However, now they're they're making this massive trade up. They they just can't afford to miss. Yeah, and they've gotten some grace for that winning season, but uh, now it's put up or shut up time. This is their opportunity to draft that franchise quarterback, and that's what they're going to do. Um, speaking of Houston, good thing they traded away that all those first round picks, and now they're left in the lurch. And Miami had that pick. So let's talk about Miami. Miami had that pick from Houston. It's a high first-round pick. Um, they traded back to 12. They traded back up to 6. It seems to me and to many analysts out there that the plan they have at 6, they, again, they have to have a few players in mind. I would say, what, at least three because those other guys they might like might go 4 and 5. So my take is they're down to the top pass catcher available at six between Kyle Pitts, the tight end for Florida, Jamar Chase, receiver from LSU, and Devontae Smith out of Alabama. That seems to be the universal you know, thought process on this trade. Do you agree with that? Because I think I do. Yeah, I mean, unless... Unless they're, you know, one of the teams that just values Jalen Waddle more than other other guys, I, I don't see how it's plausible that it's not one of those three guys. Because as we've talked about in this draft as well, there's, I mean, I guess Penny Sewell is the kind of consensus top um, pass protector. You know, he's the top guy, but... I don't see that being the pick. There's You've not got to a, think Atlanta and Cincinnati are also in the market for one of these three guys too, right? So those are the two teams picking directly before Miami. Miami would be gifted if Cincinnati did them the favor and took the offensive tackle there instead of one of these three guys. Because otherwise, Miami could end up with their third choice among these three. Well, and, and I think that's where that's coming down to is Pitts, Smith, and Chase. And, you know, it's it's a lot easier decision to make when you don't have a choice, if that makes sense, right? Like, uh, you, I mean, like we just talked about with San Francisco, you have to be very confident in your, in your decision-making and so if you have the opportunity to take one of Pitts, Chase, and Smith and you pick wrong, you, that's that's on you, right? Like, But if you're sitting now at six and Pitts has gone to Atlanta and Chase goes to Cincinnati, so all you have left is Smith, well, then you didn't have the choice anymore. You traded away that choice for another pick, Um 
you know, so it makes it, it makes it an easier sell, so to speak, if you, if you do miss or if it's, you don't miss or you don't hit as well. Like if, if Kyle Pitts ends up being, you know, the best tight end in the NFL and you didn't take him at three, because let's be honest, tight ends that high usually never pan out. Um, but but Atlanta takes him at four, and now all of a sudden he's an all-pro near one and goes on to be one of the best tight ends ever. Well, then you have a lot of, you know, questions to answer. Um, if you don't have the pick, then you just end up, like you said, with one of the three guys. Well, unless, unless they are one of the teams that's really in on Sewell and they're hoping, you know, perhaps Sewell is that third guy. Or maybe they have four guys that they take there. And so if, if Atlanta and Cincinnati take those pass catchers, then Miami gets what many people consider as the top offensive tackle in, in the draft. So um, there, are different, there are different ways that Miami can go. I, it's usually a trade that we see on draft day, though, not a trade that we see several weeks before the draft because it does offer other teams opportunity. And even in San Francisco's case, there's still an opportunity for some team to knock the Jets' socks off to move up to, to two and get in front of San Francisco. There's uh, plenty of opportunity for teams to court Atlanta and Cincinnati for the fourth and fifth pick if they think they want to get Pitts or Chase. So it's a, a little unusual to see it this far in advance. And I, I'm, I love that they did this because it gives us something to talk about. I think I would have tried to wait, wait it out, but they might have thought that they, they didn't want to get beat to the punch. Well, and it begs the question, too, because in this draft, and this is, you know, kind of going on to the next subject, in this draft, something that we've discussed quite a bit is how the elite positions are lacking in this draft, obviously outside of quarterback, but you've got the quarterback heavy draft, and then you have a lot of pass catchers whether, you know, different types of pass catchers, obviously wide receivers and tight ends, but you know, you've got, we've talked about it, Devonte Smith, Jalen Waddle, Jamar Chase, all different types of receivers. All give you something different. Kyle Pitts, you throw him in there too. He had a great pro day. He's shown on film, you know, against Alabama um, to be a super freak of an athlete and, and, and pass catcher. Um, so those are, you know, those are guys that are considered the tops in this class. However, it seems like the cornerback position is getting a late charge. Um, and, and the guy who was kind of, I don't want to say consensus, but one of the top, cornerback prospects in this draft has suddenly kind of fallen down and now it seems to be two guys from the SEC jockeying for that top cornerback spot in uh, J.C. Horn and Patrick Sertan Jr. Yeah, I I think these guys both had otherworldly workouts this week. Just to circle back real quick, Kyle Pitts Pro Day is actually going to come up this week. It's going to be on the 31st. We expect him to have a great Pro Day. He was a guy who tested real well at the opening. 
but just wanted to clear that up. Um, Horn and Sertan knocked it out of the park last week, and now it seems like the debate is actually between those two guys. And Horn is a player who I went on uh, the Locked On Browns podcast a couple weeks before we got back into the game with our episode 101, and I thought that J.C. Horn was a player that the Cleveland Browns should target at the 26th pick. Now, after he ran a sub-4-4-40 and had, I think, a 40-plus-inch vertical, he has shown to be an explosive guy. He's over 6 feet tall. He's over 200 pounds. It doesn't seem like he's got even a prayer of making it to 26. Sertan's even bigger. He ran, I think, a 4-4-6 officially. Some some people had him at 4-4-2. His jumps weren't quite as good. But again, he's tall. He's 6'2", almost 210 pounds. And both of these guys did get their hands on the football quite a bit in college. So it's not a question of do they have ball skills, do they have speed, are they explosive athletes. They check all those boxes. Um, is there another – are they – battling jockeying for the cornerback one title or is there still somebody who can wedge his way in and you know my question to you is how soon i think we've got to start mocking these guys in the top 15 yeah and and that was kind of my question is obviously miami has done a great job at the cornerback position so i we we don't see that it's possible, I, I shouldn't say possible, but it doesn't seem likely that they would go the route of corner in the draft. But could a guy like Horn or Sertan intrigue corner desperate teams in Atlanta or Cincinnati to, to you know, jump on that bandwagon it seems like nine and ten is going to be where the run on corners start though with um denver and dallas and and that seems like the place that we're going to see where the cornerback run starts so i i would agree with you that we're going to see them start coming in mock drafts in the top 10. And that, that would be something else if we saw one of these guys go off the board at four or five or both of them go off the board at four and five. Um, you know, both of these guys having phenomenal workouts and, and uh, draft seasons while Caleb Farley, who is their top competition, is suffering from that back injury and is probably going to see his stock drop a little bit. Although we're not sure how far or how much that's going to affect him because his trainer's out there saying he ran sub 4-3. But it would be so intriguing to me to see the fourth and fifth or, or fourth or fifth pick be one of these two corners. We did see a corner go off the board in the top five a few years ago when Denzel Ward was picked fourth overall for Cleveland when they had the number one and number four pick. They took Baker Mayfield, and then they took Denzel Ward. And Ward's been a really good player for them when healthy. He's a cornerstone piece of their defense. They already had Miles Garrett in place. They added the corner, and now you know they're they're trying to build up and collect more pieces on that defense to go with those two guys. But those are their two building blocks. So we know that there is a chance, even with a team 
that's down in the dumps that they could value a corner that high over some of these other players we talked about. So I would love to see some some stunner pick like that to really shake things up. Well, and last year we saw Jeff Okuda go three overall to Detroit. So, so it's, it's about time a non-Buckeye was able to accomplish this feat. <laughs> and and <laughs> the you know when you look at the cornerback class, talking to people when it comes to just what they're hearing and what what their feel is for prospects and talking about Caleb Farley. Obviously the biggest issue right now is the back. Um, I think we would all agree with that. However, there's also the issue that he didn't play in 2020. Uh, He opted out. And for that to occur and then him still to have to have back surgery. And I know that he's working out constantly, which is why he's putting up these, you know, otherworldly numbers in in terms of 40 and things like that. But isn't that a bit concerning as well that he didn't even play and he had to have a second back surgery? You make a really funny point because we hear all the time, oh, this top prospect X should opt out or should sit out this year so he doesn't get hurt. And here we have an example of a guy who did that, still got hurt. We know it was a, a an injury that was already pre-existing that got exacerbated, and now they're going with the surgical approach to try and correct it. But it just goes to show you that it might just be better. Uh, I know there's a lot of other types of arguments around this, but it might just be better for the player to be in shape just for the sake of the player to be in shape by playing football um, throw everything else out the window that might just be to their advantage to be in football shape we don't know this is just one anecdotal example I don't want to make too big a deal of it and as I've said all year I don't think any of these guys should be penalized for sitting out this particular season at all because they were given that option they did not have full information on how serious this virus may have been and and how much that may have put their career in jeopardy they made the decision that was right for them at the time, and we should be okay with that as analysts. I think the back injury is what might actually cause him to slide, because not because he was sitting out, but because it's a back injury, and because those might have longer-term ramifications. And I think that's really what it comes down to. I and wanted so to that... talk. Yeah. Go oh, go ahead. No, go ahead. No, go. Oh, I just wanted to to get us on to uh, to Zach Wilson's pro day, because I think that uh, I didn't want to dwell on this pro day a lot because I I didn't want to take away from it. Uh, Zach Wilson made a lot of great throws. He had a cheering section like no other that I've ever seen. Did you get a chance to watch it? Uh, yeah, I watched a lot of it. I didn't watch every aspect of it. Re, did that strike you though? I mean, the cheering section he had, I don't know who was cheering for him. It was presumably some scouts or maybe some people that he works out with or teammates, but I found it a little unusual. I mean, you do see guys dapping it up and, and everything at these pro days, but um, this just seemed a little over the top to me. And But again, I'm not going to penalize Zach Wilson for this. He's going to be ultimately, and we'll, we will talk about this, actually on Thursday, if you want to hear more about our 
quarterback rankings, you can find out where Zach Wilson falls in for us. But we're I think we're both it's safe to say we're both high on him as a prospect, right? Yeah, it was just, you know, I I've said I see him, you know, more in the Baker Mayfield mold than I do the Patrick Mahomes mold. I think when you start to try and compare a player to a guy that is, you know, on pace to be one of the five greatest quarterbacks of all time, it's just doing that that player a disservice. Um, right. But you know, he's he's not bad by any means. I mean, Baker Mayfield's a good quarterback in the NFL. Who was the number one overall pick too? I mean, it's not like right. You know, I wouldn't have picked him there, number one, but he's he's performing at a, a high enough level. He took his team, helped get his team to the playoffs and things like that. I think Wilson's capable of that. I just wanted to point out that it seemed like he was throwing a lot of like what I would consider like trick shot passes. I felt like I was watching an Alex Tanny trick shot YouTube video at, at some points where it was like, look at this, you know, look at this fancy throw that that I can make, which he was doing it. I mean, he's nailing the throws. But it was a, lo- a little different to me than when I watched the Trey Lance Pro Day, which I also thought was very good, and uh, where he really showed off his arm strength. These guys have covered these Pro Days. The NFL Network, they have not pointed out obvious throws that are behind the receiver or that are in you know short and in the dirt. Wilson threw one in particular. It was an intermediate pass that just died on him. He did make, he, again, he made a lot of great throws, and especially some downfield throws. And there's one that's going around Twitter where he's rolling out to his left and throwing back across his body downfield 50-plus yards and and connecting. These throws are great, but it, it's this pro day thing is just kind of over the top to me when we have all these uh, other things about these quarterbacks to discuss really what's important to me is how they performed in the season and how they performed in their careers and I personally do not put much if any stock on the pro days I've, I've pretty much had quarterbacks nailed down for my rankings since the end of the regular season yeah and you look at it and it just it usually becomes you know it's a showcase and that's what it is. It's a showcase of arm talent, but you know, when, when Wilson made that throw, it got me thinking about uh, the best throw from any quarterback in, in 2020. And that was Kyler Murray's hell, hell Mary to Deandre Hopkins. But, and of course I'm joking about it being obviously the best throw, but when you when you look that at was what just, Mur- you had to get your Cardinals in in the right. show that's contractually obligated. But when you look at when you look at the Murray throw, isn't that basically what Wilson tried to do? But Murray did it against a live defense throwing into triple coverage, you know, in a game winning situation. Yeah. And I don't think that's anything that you really that you really what's the word I'm looking for? It's not it's not something that you practice in yeah, it's a backyard in, type of play. Right. Yeah. It's a backyard play. Like it's something that you just have the feel for. And 
I know people were like, well, he, you know, he hit him on the run and things mm-hmm. like that. It's like, it's like, how many times in a game are you going to be able to roll out like that on unfettered? Set your, you know, turn, flip your hips, set your feet, and then, and then be able to make the throw. And it just, and, and the reason I did bring up the Kyler Murray throw is because that was kind of the exact play, but there was pass rushers and then he had to he had to throw the ball before he got to the sideline so he didn't get to really set his feet and and you know fling the ball 48 yards or whatever it was in the air uh you know that's to me is that's not something that you're like Oh, I wonder if he can make that throw that Kyler Murray made um, for the hell, hell Mary. Or you know, I wonder if he can do what what Aaron Rodgers has done. You know, with those hell Marys. You know, do you think Zach? Can you show us one of those, please? Because that's just not that's just not how you do. You, that's just not how you teach quarterbacks to throw. Like it's not what you work with them on. It's you know, you never want them to roll out one way and then throw across the body. You know the other way so it's just it's 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 silly fun but i don't know if it really has any bearing on his ability as a quarterback right i mean if you watch zach wilson play quarterback you know he's he's that kind of player like he he's known for those kind of backyard plays it's funny that he practiced it to showcase in that event it's great that he hit it too because there's got to be some pressure in that you know that you know you're on tv you know people are watching you you know, there's a bunch of NFL scouts and uh, player personnel, GM types on hand. They want to see you make that throw. But you, you've got some throws like that. That Some people are showing Sam Darnold making a throw similar, similarly across his body like that, rolling to his left. Uh, it's not nearly as far downfield, but it was during the course of an NFL game. I pointed out uh, on Twitter several weeks ago, Justin Fields, uh, injuring his knee against Michigan. First game back, this was in 2019. First play back after injuring his knee against Michigan. He's rolling to his left under pressure, and he's able to plant and throw a dime to Garrett Wilson for a touchdown. Again, not as far as the, the Zach Wilson throw, but there's pressure on him. He just hurt his knee. He's in an, a rivalry game and puts points on the board. So, I like looking for those plays on tape, and you can find uh, examples of Zach Wilson making a great backyard play on tape, and that's why I like him a lot. But I just think some of this coverage is over the top, and um, it just come—it strikes me as silly, really. Um, but and and I want to—we'll talk more about that in the hot takes, but I don't want to spoil that. Real quick, pro day preview this week, today. On March 29th, when we're taping this show, you'll hear us tomorrow. But we're going to recap the Miami, the University of Miami, and the University of North Carolina Pro Days that took place on March 29th. There's a lot to talk about there. That's going to be on Patreon. To get that show, again, two bucks a month, we'll get you that show. And a lot of future shows that we're going to do, four bucks a month, we'll get you the additional content. So on March 30th, which will be the day this show comes out. You'll see Bama. You'll see, I guess, Bama Part 2. You'll see Ohio State, which is a big one. Texas A&M. You got Kellen Mond. And 
You've got Louisville, which I'm intrigued about because of running back Javian Hawkins, who I think is going to run a blazing 40 and jump up into the conversation of top five running backs. March 31st, again, you've got Florida, Kyle Pitts, a few other prospects there too. You got LSU that day and Notre Dame on the first on April Fool's Day. You got Minnesota, the long awaited Rashad Bateman pro day. And you got University of Central Florida where they have a few prospects that including a couple that were combine snubs that we talked about uh, before on the Patreon show. On April 2nd, you've got Indiana, and they've got a couple of prospects as well, a defensive back named Jalen Johnson, and they've got uh, Watt Fillier, the, the wide receiver, running back Stevie Scott as well, and Tulsa, which is a big one because they've got linebacker Zavian Collins, or Zavin Collins, who is often mocked in the first round. He's a big 6'4", 260-pounder, and everybody's anxious to see how he's going to test. Now, as always, we've got to move on to the hot takes. And Seth, you've got a hot one for us, right? I think it's drinking time. Okay. Well, we, we cut out this dead air. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> you were Good muted, work, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, give us our hot take. <laughs> Sorry about that. It's been a while. Uh, so Good to have you back. <laughs> you, look at, you look at the Lance Zerline um, take of, you know, congratulating the 49ers on the addition of Trey Lance uh, all day fit in Kyle Shanahan's offense. That's not the, that's not the hot take. The hot take happened in the reply section where somebody asked why not Justin Fields and Lance's response was Fields hasn't even had his pro day. Uh, Why would they trade up? before that and i like i was honestly kind of dumbfounded by that take uh that that to me is just like what what do you mean why like why would they trade up for somebody that hasn't had their pro day yet they've got three years of college tape plus shanahan's coached him at the quarterback collective. And then when the conversation about Mac Jones started, Zerline never brought that up. The fact that Jones really, you know, is having his what second pro day. Now? Right. I mean, he had, I guess he had like a teaser pro day and now he's having his second pro day. And we were literally like in the middle of Zach Wilson's pro day too, at the time. So it's just a really bizarre take to me. And and I get the idea of, of pro days matter and that you you want you know those things to matter. But at the end of the day, you know how we started off the show, the discussion, they knew who they were taking when they traded up, or they were comfortable with their options when they traded up. They they were comfortable whether it was Wilson, Fields, Lance, or Jones. Like I don't think a pro day made it made a difference whatsoever i hope lance zero never blocks us so that we can continue to get these hot takes because even if he's in the know 
and he's hearing some something like that from uh, NFL teams, it doesn't make it less hot to say something like that. I mean, to put that out there as a reasoning and to say that's why it can't be him or, or you know, uh, again, this is a, a player in fields who the 49ers coaching staff has plenty of familiarity with without a pro day. And as I just said, there are so many examples of these guys actually making the type of throws that they want to, that these coaches want to see. There's so much evidence of it on tape. And if they're talking about these guys being system guys or not having to read defenses, they're not reading defenses at pro day. It's ridiculous. Right, exactly. So that that was just a really baffling take to me. I hope he just keeps them coming. I hope Lance just keeps these coming, at least for the next <laughs> few weeks. Anything else before we get out of here? No, let's get out of here. We're going to do a, a Thursday show. We're going to recap Miami and UNC. And we're going to also give you our top five quarterbacks for the 2021 draft. That's going to kick off a series of our rankings. Those rankings are going to mostly be available on the Patreon episode. So please sign up, support the show. And thanks to our patrons who signed up this past week. Thanks to you guys, we are able to... Uh, cover the cost of hosting this podcast and bring you what we hope is a good show each and every week. And that's it from us tonight, guys. We appreciate it and enjoy your evening. What do you guys think for the outro for now? Um, I mean, I don't know yet. We, pro- we might be able to record something. We can, for now, we could do, um,